0: outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Bubbles the football. Oklahoma takes over. Oklahoma.
1: That's probably, that is number one. Operating the offense. We can operate the offense. I feel like nobody can stop us.
0: We're competing against probably the best defense in the Big 12, so getting better every day. And that was not
1: an Oklahoma football player. That was actually Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders and, um, Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast. I I am gonna try really hard not to laugh. Brady Trantham here at Vanessa House every Thursday, alongside my friend Keegan Renault. Uh, Keegan, um, let's pick ourselves off the floor from laughing at that. Uh, we'll talk about Spencer Sanders and that little cute comment later on, but just initial reaction to that because you uh, you walked into the bar or the tap room, excuse me, and you were like, did you did you hear that? Spencer Sanders quote and like N- no I I, nah, I didn't and you sent it to me and you just had this big smile on your face so you have a little bit of an opinion about it.
0: Listen, this all intertwines together with stuff that's happened in the college football world over the last couple days, and that's nothing about the NCAA changing the rule or Big Twelve or whatever. This FPI bullshit.
1: Oh, let's let me let's get right into it. I mean, let's get right
0: into I mean, it.
1: Really quick, I hope everybody enjoyed the bonus Inside OU podcast uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever I put it out. I can't remember now. It's been it's been a long week, just like last week. But hopefully everybody enjoyed that. Maybe it might push you a little bit towards the Patreon. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe so. But if so, we will greatly appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, Keegan, you complained about the FPI, and I loved it so much on our Patreon podcast that came out yesterday. And it also came out like hours after I thought it was... Already available for everybody because uh, old boy over here didn't hit publish, didn't hit the last button. Uh, that's my bad. Apologies, but I liked your uh, your uh, your rant so much that I just I want you to do it again. <laughs> I want you to. Uh, r- set the. Uh, I guess I'll set the stage. So ESPN.
0: We didn't even dive into it either. We just got our yeah, emotions out there. Yeah.
1: D- do you have it pulled up?
0: I do. Okay. I have the. I have the article, and as well as I have the full rankings pulled up.
1: So to Was it Tuesday morning, Monday, or Tuesday morning? ESPN released their uh, cute little preseason FPI poll. Alabama number one, Oklahoma number two, and it's like, okay, sure. And then you kind of expect to see Georgia. You know, like at 3, and then, oh, no, they're not there. They're all the way down at, what, 7 or 8? And then Oklahoma State at 9, and then a, a team that I didn't even notice because I immediately dismissed the poll once I saw, like, all this little nonsense. Uh, but a team that you mentioned, like, shortly thereafter, after it was released, that was on this poll, like, in the 20s, Texas Tech. And so, yeah,
0: I, um, I don't know about that. So let's set FPI up first and this is why this is a big deal, is strength of record is a metric that the college football committee uses, college football playoff committee uses. I found out yesterday that throughout all this madness that FPI is a part of the strength of record metric. So we're using this data, This is get this clear, we're using this data in the realm of this is going to impact a potentially the committee's influence on the college football playoff. Who gets in, who doesn't. Okay, so now that's off the board. I can't, like, here's the thing that people, two things on FPI. It's a predictive measure. It's not a power ranking. It doesn't have any human element to it at all. It's just the same data we all use to make our models, which is what we did, Stephen Plasance and I did last year. We all use the same data. Everybody just weighs it differently or accounts for something stronger than than the others, Here's the problem. Whenever you have data, your data, you if if something isn't reasonable, you better have a really good explanation for why it's there. And if you don't have that, then you need to look at how you're getting your data and how you're creating it. It's because meaningless. It's, it,
1: just, it's just like in middle school when your math teacher said, show your work for your math problem. But okay, you have an answer, but that's not the point. It's like, how, how did your brain get there? That's and the And that's the other
0: part of this. They don't ever take a deep dive and show you a deep dive in terms of how FPI comes together. We know that EPA and any analytics football people will know what that means, expected points added or something like that. Uh, It's heavy in that. It's heavy in returning production. But that's all we know. Like, we don't know how FPI is computed because they don't talk about it. And the biggest... So, all that aside, let's get right into it. The list actually starts at number four, where Iowa State's included, above Ohio State, above Georgia, and above Texas A&M. And I know we have our own opinions. All the data points to A&M having a big year. I don't understand it. Um, there's reason for it. Talent. But to talent, They as you're starting to see some NFL draft people, I know Matt Miller, which take what he says for a grain of salt, but I saw a guy that I respect quote tweeted him and said yes that A and gonna have, you know, seven to eight guys in the top 65, 80 players in next year's draft. Well, same can be said for Oklahoma, but regardless, it may A and M can be reasonably explained. Yeah. Iowa State being higher than those teams Yes, I like. I get it. They have a bunch of guys returning. They have a bunch of guys that are all Americans that put up good numbers. This and that, but from a talent metric, it just doesn't add up. From a recruiting rankings, right? Because it's part of the value. It's part of the metric. Sure. Yeah. It in the in the analytics and the data that shouldn't shouldn't be what it is. All right. So let's get down to it. Mississippi State's number eight. There's no way in hell Mississippi State should be number eight, and for all the reasons that include them being amongst the worst offenses in college football last year. I love Mike Leach. Mike Leach is a great offensive mind. He just had a bunch of roster turnover by getting guys in, out of the program that didn't want to stick with Mike Leach and what he does and how he acts.
1: No offseason to implement it. And his system. Yes. Which is a complete and utter right turn <laughs> from where Mississippi State <laughs> traditionally is. Sure.
0: And so with that being said, there's still like eighth. And Seth Walder, who is the head of the analytics over there at ESPN, pointed out that. Well, like they have some guys returning that one guy threw over 300 passes last year. I don't care. They scored like 14 points in a game, like seven, sorry, 10 in a game. I believe that they lost. Yeah. Like 13, to 10. Like if, so my biggest thing is that you better have a reasonable explanation. So if you have Oklahoma State at nine, I can sit here and if our data had it, I, I could, and I've said this, I can give a reasonable explanation. Do I agree with it? No. But can I sit here and make a reasonable explanation? We'll get into this Spencer Sanders quote after this rant. Uh, <laughs> because now it's hard to defend it uh, and be reasonable about it. Now, regardless, so you keep going down the list. Okay, cool, cool. Every, everything's kind of lined up. North Carolina, Florida's in there. Oregon, LSU, TCU, Brady. Oh, Texas Tech's at 21. What the living? Yeah, I, I, I don't – I do have no idea where that's coming
1: from, like in the least. I – Um, Texas Tech is not even a team that I feel like is a dark horse, potential, like, fourth or third best team in the conference. Where If if that happened, like, midway through the season and end of the season, like, it would surprise us. Like, wow, they made a gigantic leap uh, with this program under Matt Wells. It would surprise us if they are able to do that. Uh, I can't see that at all. I I can see, like, TCU being that type of team. I could see potentially even Oklahoma State surprising people because they have no expectations going into the season. I could see West Virginia – I cannot see Texas Tech. So, them at no. 21, I don't even know where that comes from.
0: No, and it, well, it comes, like I said, if it, if they're big on returning production, they return a lot of guys on defense on a bad defense, and they return a lot of guys' skill, talent on offense on a very inconsistent, erratic offense. Like, there's nothing that points in or of reason that Texas Tech at 21, which I believe is, like, the fifth best team in the Big 12, like, that doesn't.
1: And that that's putting it very nicely like that's like that you're i feel like that's leaning more towards like super optimism for them they they were bad last year they have
0: if it was on a neutral field tcu would be only a half point favorite over texas tech based off fpi data who's texas tech's quarterback is it the still- transfer from oregon sh- that started last year tyler chef show s-h-o-u-g-h transferred in i mean but still he it's not like he was he transferred out because they're going to be starting a true freshman this year. <laughs> that's yeah. a that's a big time NFL talent. So yeah. um, again, I, it, it's a big deal, and I want to get into some of what the dad is saying because I think it points to something that is important. But regardless, you have to take it when you look at this. You have to take it with a grain of salt because it doesn't. It's not reasonable. Like, well, it's a preseason poll, so sure. But I, I get what you're like
1: the point you're trying to make. Like, yeah. Like, wh- where is this? Like they're not gonna re- they're not gonna reveal like how they get there. They're not gonna reveal their work of how this is like mm-hmm. you know where they're getting their data from. Uh, so I I get that, but um, I, I guess I just I just take it from a I never I try not to get very upset at preseason polls until they actually unfortunately matter. Sure. So like the coaches poll, the AP poll, like it's a tale as old as time. Like this is not a new take, but the whole like why don't we just wait four or five weeks until we start ranking teams? Mm-hmm. Because how many teams, like, live off of, like, hey, we beat the number seven team in the country in September, and that team, like, goes on to lose four games. Yeah. But we beat the number
0: 17 team in the country. It's like, okay, that this is why preseason polls suck. So, one, just real quick, I know you've heard me make this back. Just to make – I want to make this clear, like, this isn't a – It is a preseason poll. It's preseason data, I think, would be a better way to term it. Just because, like, again, this isn't – most analytic – like, if you hear Bill Connolly talk about SP+, oh, wait before I get into that. But if you hear Bill Connolly talk about SP+, he always says, like, now SP+, is saying, right, I'm not saying this, but SP+, is telling me this. So, like, he distances himself because it's data. Like, you don't want to – like, I'm not going to sit here, you know – If when Steven and I round out all of our stuff for next football season, and it, you know, if it's like North Carolina is a top 10 team because of it, you know, we're going to take a second look at what we're doing uh, because of just because of reason. Um, But again, like, I think Bill Connolly does a good job. Like, he drops returning production after like the fourth week or something like that fourth, fifth, sixth, or it weighs less than what it typically does. And he goes through. Everything that goes into SP Plus, like you know exactly what's going into this metric, and it's It's a predictive model. It's basically saying, right, like Alabama on is projected to go eleven and one. Like FPI, I'm assuming for this is simulated ten thousand times. That's like the kind of the base, yeah, like base level. So, but again, I I know it's pre. I get what you're saying. Like I'm not going to get like over animated about it. But the only reason why I am and why I think it's important to talk about it is because this directly impacts the college football playoff. And that's ridiculous. Like, it is absolutely effing ridiculous. that. And the only reason why, like, I know from, like, analytics people aren't supposed to attack analytics people like that, but you have to have reason. And there's just no reason to this. Um, like, even Iowa State of four, like, I, I just don't understand it. Uh, I don't know of where you want to go from here, but I I'd still I don't understand how you have SP+, plus and you continue to boost FPI, which is SP+, plus has been a much better metric over the last three to four years.
1: Well, I mean, the only reason that I would probably say it's something that I can't prove, but this is just data that is available to the committee. It's not something that they're forced to, like, base their decision-making off of, because at the end of the day, these are 50-, 60-year-old men... And all they do is watch a handful of games, (laughs) and they watch a ton of highlights, and then they base everything off of just narrative, and they base everything off of preconceived opinion. Some of it fair, some, a lot of it not fair. And so, an FPI poll—I don't like. My question is: Is how much does it actually influence a college football playoff committee member's brain? It just
0: impacts SOR, strength of record. Yeah, that's it. But
1: I mean, I. I, I don't know. I mean, if it does influence, then, hey, good for OU fans because they're number two.
0: Yeah, and that's the, if you want to touch on that real quick, like, FPI is saying that the Big 12 is going to be freaking good this year. Yeah, that's uh, – now – I mean, Take it with a grain of salt, it, but it's saying that.
1: Man, like, I just uh, – the Texas Tech thing, I just don't get. So, like, TCU is not ranked. West Virginia is not ranked. TCU
0: is. TCU, again, is only a half – they're two spots above Texas Tech. But if you put TCU and Tech on a neutral field – FPI is saying that yeah, it, TCU would be a half point favorite. Yeah, that's it. I would take TCU by two touchdowns today. Th- thirteen and a half. If I got TCU minus thirteen and a half, I would do bad things. Yeah. To that line.
1: Well, they're. I think they're playing in Lubbock this year, TCU, because I think they played in. I think Fort they Worth. played in Fort Worth last year. Yeah, that boring game. Like For awful, sure, awful game. Uh, <laughs> I guess just. At the end of the day, like, if the Big 12 gets a boost in a reputation because of a meaningless poll like this, I mean, that, that can't be anything but good. Sure. Because the Big 12's had a terrible optics problem. They've had a terrible reputation, and a lot of it was earned. It, a lot of it was earned. Still is. Um, you know, just over 10 years of being a flag football conference and selling their soul to the Art Briles spread and the Mike Leach spread and – Oklahoma kind of falling off defensively, Texas falling off the map completely. And then, of course, Oklahoma being the flagship program of the conference that whenever they get on the big stage, like, yes, there have been reasons that we've talked about at nauseum. And they've had some moments, but they've overall never succeeded. So you, a lot of national people will just kind of go away, think, oh, the Big 12 is just kind of a silly, like, yeah, they're better than Pac-12, but that's not saying much. So if this is just another little step in the right direction for the Big 12 to have a reputation repair, that's good for OU because it's – I mean, stuff like that has helped teams like Ohio State. It's helped teams like Clemson for some reason because they play in a basketball conference themselves. It's helped Alabama and Georgia and Auburn and all these teams that if they lose – it's it's not the end of the world. It's never been the end of the world for Oklahoma if they just lose one game. Like They've still been able to navigate their season and get to a playoff, uh, but it's always by the skin of their teeth. Whereas if Alabama just randomly lost last year, like the whole conversation would be, well, look at their schedule. They're going to win the rest of their games. They're probably going to win the SEC. If they don't get into the SEC title game, they should still get in as an at-large. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's what OU – Fans should be looking forward to, but it's just another like increase your margin for error, and if it comes from a silly preseason poll, then so be it.
0: You're aware of what we're potentially doing with quarterback play a little bit. I know I'll, I'll we'll give you the full details on it whenever in terms of how we weigh or going to weigh that. It's going to be a big test with a And M at number six, and all these top third top five, top six, top seven, and everything like. They they just
1: don't have a guy to throw the football.
0: And that's what I I just don't – I can't get there. I can't like – everything to me last year, if you remember, Brady, I put that tweet out like A&M, it looks like A&M's schedule sets up for them to be undefeated heading into the Bama game, and that scares the absolute crap out of me. Yep. This year scares the absolute crap out of me. If there's anything, and Brady, you know this, I will say like if I need to drop my bias for something, A&M being good, I would be dreadful. I would be miserable just because ain't, I, I love I love me some strength. Well, it's on never Twitter. happened. You know, <laughs> like, like, it'd be very unprecedented. I
1: know they were kind of solid. They were a top 10-ish program in the late 90s or the mid-90s, the late mm-hmm. 90s under R.C. Slocum. And then uh, them having Johnny Manziel was cool, but they were by no means like a title contender to me. Like They were just like, oh, they beat Alabama, and they beat one of Bob Stoops' worst, uh, <laughs> one of their
0: worst teams in a – overall meaningless bowl. I mean, if, if someone wouldn't have allowed what he allowed to go on within, like, structure of the program, they probably would have been fine, but that's also the Aggie way, right? Like, things like that happen in College Station. Brady, do you want to touch on the graphic from ESPN first today? Sure. Or do like, you want to touch on the Oklahoma State comments?
1: Um, let, Let's get to the graphics since we're already shitting on ESPN. Like, okay. Again, you came in, like, on just – on fire with ESPN, so apparently you're just mad at the worldwide, worldwide leader, uh, Mickey Mouse, the state of Florida, uh, the state of, oh, where are they actually located?
0: Bristol. Bristol, Connecticut. Bristol, Connecticut. Like, what, what is in Connecticut? What's in Rhode Island? Are they right next to each Ro- other? Rhodes. That's also true. That's very true. So the graphic that Brady's looking up, I don't know if he's looked at it quite yet, but he's pulling it up right now. It's the fourth most likely CFB combinations based off the FPI ratings. And again, I would assume this is based on 10,000 simulations. Oklahoma's listed three times. But Iowa State's listed twice. And again, it's one thing to have data. It's it's another to have a reasonable explanation for that. And there is in this case. But when you get to reality, Brady, and this is fun. I mean, look how many retweets they have. 117 1K likes on the ESPN College Football Twitter account. 118 responses. I'm sure hundreds of more quote tweets on that. Uh, they got what they wanted. But we're trying to educate people, right? Like, we're trying to inform. They're not. We're trying to inform people, right? Like from our jobs. Like we're trying to inform people. Putting a graphic like this out there and including that, like, when Iowa State goes nine and three and people are like, oh man, they they underachieved this year, it's like, no, that's probably what they should have done. Like, yeah. That's the problem, is we're now setting a stage for a program that like, I respect Iowa State. I think that they can be a contender. Like, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like, when I tone in this, like, they can be a contender. Yeah. I'm unlikely because of the who is also in the Big 12. But, I mean, the margin for error for them is basically they have to go into Norman and they have to either win out the rest of their schedule, then they have to beat Oklahoma – they have to win out the rest of their schedule if they lose to Oklahoma and Norman, sorry. And then they'd have to turn around and beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. What, two weeks later? Two or three. Yeah. It's unlikely. And that's the other thing, too. They don't have a Pac-12 team listed here.
1: <laughs> in, a year,
0: in a year in a that – Does anybody care? No, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. In, a, in a year, the data points to a Pac-12 team making it whether that's from the ACC cannibalizing itself or from the SEC cannibalizing itself. The data, as from what I've pertained to, and if you listen to Adam McClintock on our Patreon page, damn it, USC looks like the team that could be it this year out of the Pac-12. And it would be the first time they've made the playoff. Um, well, they need to go undefeated. Like, whoever, sure. if, if, whoever the Pac-12 champion is, they need to Except undefeated. Except for Oregon. Except for Oregon. Oregon can be 11-1. They go on the road to Ohio State early in the year. Well, r- real quick, Go
1: ahead. The thing that we talked about before we uh, we started recording was simply this: it's very hard for the Big Twelve to have a scenario where they put two teams Correct. into the playoff, and that's not because of like what I just talked about earlier about how the, no one likes the Big Twelve outside of Big Twelve country. It's just by virtue of the structure of the conference. Mm-hmm. The SEC is very, you know, a lot of it is just by virtue of them having 14 teams in two divisions and they can't every team can't play each other they just don't play enough games but if Alabama loses one game and it's a divisional game and that team that beat them kept winning and got to the SEC title game well the SEC is not playing the two best teams record-wise, they're playing the two best teams according to their conference win-loss record and head-to-head matchup, which can work sometimes, but other times it can kind of put you in a situation where Alabama sits at home championship week and it makes them all the more shiny because you already know how good Alabama is talent-wise. They have the track record, but, oh, they're not in the championship game, Uh, so you start talking like you as in like the national college football media Mm -hmm. fan base, whatever, like, oh, well, they should still be in. Whereas in the Big 12, I like you said, if Iowa State wins all their games and they lose in Norman and then they win their last game, then they're playing OU in the Big 12 championship again. And if Iowa State loses again, like, it's hard to put a two-loss team who's basically played two playoff games and already lost in the playoff. Um, the only way that I could see that happening is if Clemson takes a step back, which I, I feel like is a fairly realistic, mm-hmm. it's fairly, I don't know if it's going to happen. I, I don't know if I would predict it right now. Uh, but losing Trevor Lawrence, seeing what they were last year, seeing the guys that they lost already, I could, I could see that happening in conference. Who knows, Miami might, uh, their, that blue chip ratio that we kind of, I kind of gushed over and was surprised. Maybe that kicks in against Clemson. Um, if Clemson takes a step back, Ohio state takes a little bit of a step back considering what they lost as well. And the PAC 12 has a two loss champion. Mm-hmm. If Iowa state literally loses to Oklahoma in the same fashion that they lost to them in the big 12 championship game twice, I could kind of see it. Or if it's something where OU wins all their games, but loses to Iowa state and Norman, but then they beat Iowa state a few weeks later in the big
0: 12 championship game. And then both teams get in. If, If Oklahoma drums everybody throughout the regular season, then Iowa State pulls a massive upset in the Big 12 championship game. That makes a little more sense. Like, I could see Oklahoma getting in and Iowa State getting in. It's so hard, though, to see that just because
1: the cliche of, like, it's better to lose early. Sure, I'm with you. Losing that late is just like – and I know know OU has – Gone to a national championship game after losing the game right before Yeah, in the Big 12 championship. I know that's happened, but it's it's so hard to project that. But, yeah, I mean, like that graphic is just – I mean, ESPN's good. They're the worldwide leader for a reason, and one of those reasons is they just schedule out, okay, we haven't talked about college football enough uh, recently, so let's put something out that's going to get a lot of attention.
0: But they didn't do – my biggest issue is that they didn't do this with SP+. And the worst part, and this is this is me standing for Bill Connolly, I've never used the word standing until right now. How hip am I? Anyways, regardless, they didn't do this with SP+. If you went during the season last year and you went up, so like SP+, if you go to the college football homepage on ESPN, if you go to rankings, it's a hang tab, and it's, it's SP+, rankings. Like, they'd be three weeks behind updating, like, from the latest SP+, rankings. So, like, that's my biggest thing is, like, if SP+, as we all know, is better than FPI to look at from a metric perspective, an yeah. analytical perspective. Why the hell are you not pumping that? But, damn it, they got a good reaction. They got me to go on a podcast and pump this up, and now a bunch of people are going to go look at FPI rankings. But, regardless... People don't
1: like thinking. People don't like reading. Like, all that information, like, that, that only positively affects, like, a small portion of the fan base, the media... Like, th- there's a reason why Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless and guys sure. like that get paid, like, like, they're college football coaches to do their job, and it's not necessarily classic journalism. It's not broadcast journalism. It's entertainment. Like, th- that graphic is just entertainment. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, SP Plus, like, I get it. Like, that that exists for people like you, and I, I like SP Plus. I put a lot of stock into it, mm-hmm. but I don't spend – a lot of time looking at it I kind of just I get a lot of that information from you and whenever something positive is said about Oklahoma and SP Plus I'm like okay they're doing something right they're trending in the proper direction
0: yeah and a lot of people are like that with data too because like I can sit here and you know this I could sit here on this podcast and go a whole hour and a half and talk about data and analytics um, in football but I want to finish it up with this Texas Tech and SP Plus last season was 81st SP Plus defense 58th in offense yep hundredth and twelfth in special teams they are they were bad last bad.
1: year bad yeah and I was disappointed because I kind of expected some positive improvement I mean I don't know what that would have equated to results wise but some positive improvement out of Matt Wells's program because I just I thought he was a good hire I thought it was a good I think he's a good coach but it just hasn't happened
0: for sure maybe uh, it's
1: too maybe it's too striking a culture shift kind of like with Mississippi State but Mississippi State is working with you know albeit mid-level SEC talent, whereas Texas Tech is working with you know, like the scraps of Texas high school recruiting.
0: For sure. Um, I'm trying to pull up where Tech was is in this year's uh, SP Plus projected before I, I give you the my thoughts on the number nine Oklahoma State Cowboys and FPI. No, I'm kidding. You, you know this. I, I said this, <laughs> and I know I could have gotten it. So SP Plus, real quick, Texas Tech is 70th preseason in SP Plus, 70th. We have a twenty-first to seventy discrepancy in Texas Tech. Okay, regardless, my I, I said my thoughts on this. That like, if Sanders takes the step, basically, if he just can cut down from two turnovers a game to one turnover a game, which would be a magnificent thing for him to do, and it would help Oklahoma State a lot. Like they got to be a pretty good football team. That guy, that guy's that guy play that guy could play the game a little bit if he's doing the right things mentally. I think people and you know this about me. I've said this. I've made the leap myself. That people that we automatically think age is going to cure issues. Right in college football, it's like man, yeah. w- they've got a returning quarterback. He's going to be better than he was last year because he's because he's returning. Like maybe they just are who who they are at this point. We don't know. I made that pr- I made that issue with Sam Ellinger. I I'm, I thought he would make the leap from sophomore to junior year of. He's going to stop throwing f- interceptions in the middle of the field because it'd be really great. Because Texas would have been a lot better if they if he could do that. Yeah, um, he was already asked to do a lot for them. <laughs> He was basically asked to lead them in every game, anyways. Uh, but regardless, I made that mistake. I'm not making it with Sanders my just point is, is that you can defend number 9 for Oklahoma State if xyz do happen and it's not crazy if if they do come to fruition i don't think it's like it should surprise anybody because we all are saying the same thing about Oklahoma State yeah. about Sanders and this and that however quotes like that that we heard at the beginning of the show will make me hate watch Oklahoma State on Saturdays how well, did you think i would ever say that probably not I mean it's ridiculous that's just not knowing who you are it's not knowing who you are
1: and look he's worried about his team he's going to be confident with his guys I get that he's not hyper focused on Oklahoma because it's not his business to worry about Oklahoma if he was knowledgeable about the actual returning talent discrepancy in the conference then he wouldn't be a very good quarterback at OSU anyway Uh, but I'll say this and this doesn't this is not a fact. This is just kind of my general rule of thinking, especially with quarterbacks. I feel like you can improve on things during a season. Sure. Every quarterback, no matter how good they are, is not perfect. They're, everybody has flaws. Kyler Murray had flaws. Like A lot of them were just physical height limitations. Baker Mayfield was flawed, and at times he was extremely flawed. But the things that you are not good at, I don't think you can ever really get better at them. I think you can get better at minimizing them, but you cannot, if if you have a turnover problem and that's what you are, that doesn't get healed in an off season. So that was my thing with Spencer Sanders from his freshman year into his sophomore year that, that last summer, I'm like, uh, the guy just fumbled and threw picks and at the worst fucking times. And that's just what he is. You don't, that doesn't just magically get cured in the off season at all. And, what did he do all season long? The exact same thing. Like I'll never forget like with Landry Jones. God love him. But every offseason past his sophomore year it was like, "Oh, he did this with this guy in the offseason and he improved his pocket presence, he improved his his feet, blah blah blah." And then what happened when the shit hit the fan and the pressure was on, he would do this. He would make the same mistakes. Not the same thing. Not all the time because there were times where he would succeed. But for the most part, when OU needed their quarterback to make a play, Landry Jones would often be found wanting. And so, like, that's why when OSU and Spencer Sanders go up against um, equitable talents, better talent like Oklahoma, that's why they, they look like it's such a – that's the talent discrepancy between quarterbacks is just so high. It's because Spencer Sanders just fumbles the ball around. And he just—he looks lost. Like he did. Did he even have that many turn He had the pick that Igwebu had. That was an athletic play, but you know he stared down the receiver. Trey Norwood it was made an, a play. It was an RPO, yeah. I mean, yeah, Trey it, Norwood made a play. So, how much of that do you blame Spencer Sanders? How much do you just credit OU's defense for making an athletic play? Uh, but even without that, like he looked lost in the pocket. He did not look like he was in control of anything. And I'm just like, I, I don't see that changing. Like, when he goes up against Texas, I expect the same Spencer Sanders. When he goes up against, oh, Texas he's so, he's so he, he'll look fine. He'll look like, hey, like, there's some talent there. When he goes up against Kansas State, hey, like, you know, Spencer Sanders might have, like, the light bulb might have come on. I'm like, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, you have to wait until he gets to a big game. Uh, but at the same time, like – yeah, to last year does suck. I think if you go through the Sanders timeline, which I will real quick, he wasn't an early enrollee. They all the fans wanted him to play from the get go. He didn't. Then he started to play and then got hurt and then missed last and then would missed last spring would have from an injury perspective. Didn't get it because of COVID. So this is his first spring in two in three years at Oklahoma State. What that means, I don't know. But, Brady, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to take the leap that he's going to be a different guy. I see he has legit NFL qualities in terms of his arm talent, athleticism, this and that. Sure. But you have to hone those things in, and he can't consistently do that. And that's his biggest flaw. And until we see it, he's going to have a hard time getting a lot of people on board with him. And as Brady knows, when it does happen – I will be the first to tell Brady that it's happened and or that it's in the process of happening cuz we will see it. It will be when they go on the road to Boise State early in the year, which will be a very tough environment. Very tough. I, environment. I don't know
1: how good Boise State is supposed to be this year, but that's going to be it's going to be a big game for them. It's going to be a hostile crowd. I mean, I don't I don't I don't know. Like If Spencer Sanders just plays cool, calm, and collected in big games for Oklahoma State this year, and, you know, that bar is, you know, a little bit low, it's not just Oklahoma, it's not just Texas. Like, Boise State's going to be a big game for them. Uh, TCU, like West Virginia, that level of Big 12 conference game will be big for them. Boise State is 39th. If
0: he plays
1: calm, in control, and efficient, and picks his spots where to utilize his athleticism, which is, you know, high-end athleticism, I'll admit – uh, if he does that, it will surprise the shit out of me, <laughs> and that's oh, why I, that's, that's why I sit here and just go. I, I just don't think so. Um, just imagine a world where Spencer Rattler's turnover problems that he had early in the year last year continued after Texas. If that if they did, and OU still like OU still managed to win the rest of their games, win the Big 12 championship. Like everything was the same, but he was throwing two picks a game.
0: <laughs> Wasn't the next interception against Kansas? yeah and it was on that rollout play to the right yeah
1: (laughs) so let's just imagine a world where that happens i would be pumping the brakes on national title year this year because i'm like i I don't know because all we saw last year was oh you have a great defense so much talent compared to the rest of their opponents and like yeah they looked great spencer rattler has talent but man he throws some weird interceptions he fumbles the ball or whatever, I don't know if that can get cleaned up. Fortunately, I don't have to have that concern because Spencer Rattler cleaned up his game. Now, we've talked at nauseam about the things that he can improve at. He's not perfect, uh, but I do not have that concern like I would have if Spencer Sanders was the quarterback at Oklahoma.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I was waving you on because that would have been a perfect segue into the quote uh, from Lincoln today. Oh, yeah. Uh, Want to play it right now? I uh, Real quick, I, since, since we're here. Oklahoma State would be a f- SP plus has him as a five point favorite on a neutral field right now. That's it. So it'd be a big, uh, big performance. Here's Lincoln. You know, the thing he's got to continue to challenge himself to do mentally is you can't, or you got to be careful and we're, because if you do this, you'll stop progressing. Is you can't say, well, okay, I've already, I've been a starting quarterback for the year. I know this system. Like I, my work ethic, my study habits, my focus in meetings, all that, my attention to detail. Like, I'm good. Like, I got it. And no, you don't got it. You don't, in <laughs> football, you never get it. It's it's a constant battle to get better. And so the starting point's way better. But if, and if he'll continue to work, you know, I would expect that he'll have improved in a lot of areas, but, you know, and he has so far, but he's going to have to continue to really work.
1: I love Lincoln, man. I just, I, I like that. I, I just, I want that attitude. I want that, you know, and that's kind of similar to, and this was a funny. It was a funny topic at the time because of the whole QB battle thing. But when Jalen Hurts transfers to Oklahoma, and then the first like few media availabilities, uh, Lincoln Riley says, "No, like Jalen's not QB one just because of his track record and his resume. He's got to earn it." And it's it's easy to make fun of and scoff at sure. that at the moment because we know how that movie's going to end. But it goes along with the attitude that Lincoln has had since he's been at Oklahoma, since he's been the head coach at Oklahoma, is that you have to constantly improve. You have to constantly get better. And that, that's very much a part of the culture change of this program. It's not just on defense. It's just across the board. And so, look, it, it's off season; It's like they're lifting weights. like It's essentially the same thing. But I love hearing that out of Lincoln Riley about a quarterback who, by all means, could very well be the number one overall pick, could very well be at least a Heisman finalist, and could very well lead
0: Oklahoma to a national title. I love hearing that. You hear that, and it's almost like he's speaking from experience, right? Like, and I know there's quote ahead of that that you're, you haven't heard where he talks about like, you know, he's getting reps, more reps now in the spring than he's ever gotten in the spring before because he's never had one, and that it's he's getting a lot more comfortable because of that. And then he had that quote, but. Doesn't that sound like he's speaking from experience? And like, I don't want to re- i do not don't, don't, don't want to say what I'm about to say and reach for something, you know? Like, do, do you feel that? Yeah, I, I
1: mean, I think Lincoln just understands like what's at stake, sure, and how easily it can be lost. I think he understands like this is this is by far the best team that I've ever coached, probably ever been around, and also the best team that this program has seen potentially in a in a long time.
0: When's the last time? Oklahoma was coming off a strong year and then came out flat in 16. And Baker wore a lot of that, right? Yeah. And talk about an attitude change after that Ohio State game and how he thought about the game and how he, you know, Lincoln used the word, right, intentional. People become more intentional. Yeah, I, think about, won,
1: I think they won 14 straight games after Ohio State and before they lost Iowa State, Norman. Yeah. And 14 or 17. I can't so,
0: I, to me, that's a coach speaking from experience. And – he was a young guy at the time, and I'm sure when Baker was <laughs> doing Baker things in Norman in Arkansas.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's easy for 20, 21, 22-year-olds to just feel, feel themselves. And, look, if I'm going to be, like, crazy conspiratorial OU fan, like, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate for this. Sure. I wonder, like, you, you, you talk about him speaking from experience. Is he speaking directly to Spencer Rattler because of some of the things that you and I and a lot of people that want to know things have heard or think or have a lot of evidence to point to about Spencer Rattler and his attitude? Yep. Not to say that he's a troublemaker, not to say that he has an attitude problem, but I, I will say just from afar, it would not shock me if Spencer Rattler's personality was that of somebody who is trying to get to the point where he can just coast off of his talent alone. And that would be good enough. And he is incredibly talented and can mm-hmm. get away with it. I mean, a lot of his – those fuck you throws, man, are just incredible. But that's not going to win you a national championship. Can't, it's, can't, not gonna,
0: it's not going to let you go – it's not going to lead you to go undefeated. You can't just win outside the pocket. Yep. I, I – not – and, and we, it's, proven that it's proven year in and year out until Oklahoma has an offensive line that's going to come out and year in and year out dominate like they did from 16 to 17 to 18 once that happens you can't just win outside the pocket you got to cuz if you can win inside the pocket you are way more dangerous you know so yeah and that and that's why I wanted to, wanted you to hear that quote and I was like once I got here I was like I want to listen to this because it does sound intentional everything that he has said this spring has sounded intentional towards Spencer, you've got to get better. Like, yep. You have to get better. And this team's relying on you to get better. I thought it was pretty funny today. It, and we give our good friend Jason Kersey a lot of pub on this podcast. He did a mailbag today, and I guess someone asked him, like, being worried about Rattler for this year. And I've wanted to just make a public apology for if anybody that, if that, if that came from someone that follows me, I apologize. <laughs> uh, that's not what I've been saying. I'm not worried. It's just
1: boring to say OU's really good <laughs> <laughs> for an entire offseason. Sure,
0: yeah. No, and it, it's nitpicky stuff, right? Like very fine detailed things, but it's very fine detailed things that make you go from a quarterback that is in a quarterback competition to be the first quarterback taken in next year's draft and then being the guy. Like Rattler can make a stand this year to where – Every team that passed on Mahomes in the first nine picks of that draft, nah, that's not happening this time around. Like, it won't. And everybody I've talked to literally have said that I've heard I, – I, Brady knows. i, I talked to a ton of people at the NFL draft level at this point. Everybody i talked to, it's like 50-50 with Howland Rattler, man. Like, he can absolutely close this thing up. I mean, wrap it up and – We don't have a trivia question, but my trivia question tonight would have been Alabama quarterbacks that have been drafted since the draft expanded. Um, Oklahoma could have the same amount of first-round picks taken at quarterback since Alabama's had drafted since 2000. That's a stat. First overall. I'm not talking Jalen Hurts second. I'm not talking Jason White, Josh Eipel. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm talking first overall picks. They They could have the same as Alabama since 2000 has had overall quarterbacks taken
1: and that's that's awesome that's great but i would like to have alabama's program success
0: sure 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 absolutely uh yeah i'm i but i'm i'm so excited i i think we're seeing a much more focused rattler now once we find out i said this right i'm going to maintain this we were going to know in the quotes this spring from Rattler, give me the uh, quotes. Give me the quotes. <laughs> all the quotes. Um, he's got a little coach speak to him still. When Baker, when when we knew Baker was Baker and Kyler was Kyler, that sh- went away quick. Yeah, you know, it's like, all right, I'm going to tell you how I really feel. Like, because like I sit there and I think about like when he goes through the NFL draft process. Yeah, those analysts, especially the social media guys, the guys that write about and cover the NFL draft, they're ruthless, man. They will ask anything and everything to get you off your heels or off off your heels and on your toes, and you know. And so there's a there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there. I'm I'm being very nitpicky, but when you follow quarterback play at the University of Oklahoma for what my time period that I have, you know those fine details. You know what they are, and anybody that wants to. Um. You can go to the Patreon. We got one video of Rattler. We're going to do two more before the next season. Um, but the first one details a lot of what I'm talking about right now.
1: Last thing, Keegan, before we wrap this up, because Vanessa's about to start. Bingo Bango Song about to be loud in here. It's DMX night. Rest Hell in, yeah.
0: Rest in peace. Uh, Packed house tonight. Tanner Groves, tell you. With Crutwig? Cr- no. no uh, with his brother. Because you
1: confirmed on our Patreon that Crutwig is going to Norman. wouldn't. <laughs> See, you always put me in a tough spot. <laughs> uh, Keegan did not do that. No, I did not. But well, we I
0: did d- say on the Patreon that... It, oh.
1: Oh. Gotta leave, gotta leave him in suspense. 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 Did, I th- I'm, I'm think drinking I pu- water, by the way.
0: I, pu- I think a, my tweet puts up the Tanner Gross thing perfectly. Just tell the kid if he ever gets homesick that we can just send him down to Durant, and he can go hang out down there for Gee, a little bit. Durant. Oh, sorry. Oklahomans listen to this
1: podcast, son.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I've talked to people from down there that say it both ways. I don't know. Miami, Oklahoma. My, my Ellic. I, <laughs> I made that. I made that. There's a There's a couple of them that we have here that don't make any sense why they're pronounced. I guess Miami is because of the tribe, but. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. There you go. There's your uh, there's your Native American history on the Inside of your podcast.
1: Oh, we love history, and we love Vanessa House uh, always taking care of us, taking care of Keegan, giving him his destination waiting, Cerveza. And like he said, it's a packed house. Uh, it's, it's a great sight to see. Uh, yesterday was my the end of my two-week window for my second uh, shot, second oh. vaccine. So uh, it, it, feels, it feels great. It feels a little bit closer to normal. Uh, we are, what, a week and a half away from the spring game Keegan. are you going to go down to Norman for that?
0: I mean, I plan on it. Well, I mean, are Fra- you going to have to tailgate?
1: Uh, fr- I, mean, I don't know about tailgate.
0: Are, you gonna ha- are they going to uh, have to tailgate? The
1: franchise, Like we're doing the whole, like, it's at 4 o'clock, so that means we can do a pre and a post game. Oh! So that, you know, cha-ching for me. It's great because I'm on the post game show, but, um, yeah, the franchise, we're, like, doing everything for it. It's like, we're going to milk this cow dry, <laughs> and... If you're in Norman, of course, I, I'll throw you on with Chisholm and I. If you're around, throw you on the radio. But uh, we'll do our uh, post game Patreon pod and with all the spring game takes.
0: I I won't get too hot. I may be too drunk, but won't well, be too hot.
1: H- here, l- l- we, l- let's l- l- do a
0: drunken podcast after. Well, that's what Patreon the
1: Patreon pod is essentially anyway. Even even now,
0: remember on- when we did a podcast at three in the morning after the Iowa State oh, game? Yeah,
1: that was incredible. <laughs> We're angry. Here, I'm gonna go ahead and predict some anger. It's Nebraska OU is up by the old testament biblical amount that they that we predict them to be in the third quarter. Spencer Rattler leaves the game and in comes Micah Bowens. What the What the he, Caleb I don't, Caleb I, Williams is if, healthy.
0: If he if with him early I can't see it. I can – I'm sorry, I can see it, but you're right. That would be my reaction.
1: It's just – Lincoln, like, okay, he can't have his QB battle. But based on
0: everything we've heard, I
1: don't foresee that to be the case, right? He can't have his QB battle that he loves having in the offseason, trolling everybody. So this would be, like, the next best thing of, like, all right, Spencer, you're out. We're up 50 points. And then Caleb Williams is warming up. He's like, no, not you. (laughs) <laughs> Malachi Nelson will be in Norman next year, right? Oh, oh. yeah. And uh, Relique Brown apparently going to go to OU. I, I guess Nebraska is, like, the big
0: uh, crew, crew day, Schedule, right? yeah, during the season. They're having a little official visit barbecue week, and it looks like I'm not in tune. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm in well, tune with recruiting right
1: now. I mean, I would imagine, like, the Nebraska game is going to have so much pageantry. It's gonna, I mean, if you want to bring kids to show off, like, the what? best of what OU can be. Yep. Regardless of what the game's going to be, because OU's going to kick the shit out of Nebraska, I don't care what any preseason little analytics things say about their talent. You saw that? I, I saw that and laughed so hard. Like, <laughs> man, they, they are clinging on. To, you know, they're clinging on. That came, to from, made, ma- made that came from McClintock, too. I know. And, look, just because, I mean, even SP Plus sometimes.
0: They so. have Nebraska pretty high of what I would have, too. Oh. Good luck. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, I, I'm I down. So, like, real quick, wrap up the data talk. I, I don't – I always – Stephen cracks me up. And you know this about our relationship. He always hates it when I go against the data because it's like going against him. I go against the data a lot. <laughs> until, we, until we get it fine-tuned to where I like it and how I see the game, <laughs> it's going to be uh, – I always pick against the data. So, Fair uh, enough. there you go. Not always. More times than not.
1: Yep. Oh. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast, as always. Thank you all so much. Patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Ratings and reviews for Inside OU. You know the drill. We'd appreciate it. But everybody, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From Vanessa House, Boomer Sooner, and we'll talk to you later.